friend. Hello. On, on today's creativity chat, we have the lovely Kate Kleinhands. Hi. Welcome. We're coming to you live from the car. <laughs> from the interstate. Here we are. Well, I was like, we're on a bridge right now. Well, but yeah, we're not really on the interstate yet. We're but almost on the interstate. It sounded more exciting than from the back roads. <laughs> I don't know. I guess it depends on your personality. Today, we're going to talk about being an ASL teacher. Yeah. Did you decide you wanted to be a teacher first or were you interested in ASL? Great question. I never saw myself as a teacher. Um, and then I took a sign language class super randomly when I was 16, just out of curiosity. I thought it was a cool language. I didn't realize, but just like when you take a foreign language class like Spanish or French and you learn about the culture and history of that country. In a sign language class, you learn about deaf culture and deaf history, which I didn't know was even a thing. Um, and it like blew my mind and I just kind of fell in love with it. And then shortly after I went on a mission trip to a deaf village in Jamaica and I saw like ministry and deaf culture come together, which were two things that were really exciting and uh, to me and like two things that I was very passionate about. For a while I was like, this will just be a hobby. And then I started college as an interpreting major. So I wanted to like work at a hospital and interpret when deaf patients come in. Um, but then I was required to go visit a deaf school for one of my classes and very, very like out of the blue while it was in there, I was like, oh my gosh, I could teach. Someone in my life was like, you should actually like think and pray about that because people don't just often think they can teach. So then I changed my major to deaf education and now I teach at a deaf school in Northern California. I think that's really sweet that it started off as a 16 year old uh, figuring out, oh hey, there is a deaf community, how do I become part of that? Yeah, it was totally new to me. Um, I really liked that the deaf community is very collectivist, whereas like we live in a very individualist society where it's kind of like every man for himself, like everyone has their own agenda. Um, and in the deaf community, it's very, yeah, just like collective, community driven, um, like the greater good is always kind of at the forefront, I guess, so. How have you found that culture to impact your life personally? Because you've done such a lovely job of creating community. Mm, thank you. I think being involved in the deaf community and also particularly um, my trips to Jamaica, and I've, I've been there eight times, and I, I spent three full summers there. Deaf culture plus Jamaican culture is very slow. And the way that they consider time is very different. And so I used to be like very worried about time all the time. Um, and like, I, I don't think I lived my life in a very present manner. Like I was always thinking about the next thing I had to do. And I just saw my friends in Jamaica, my friends in the deaf community who were like, they couldn't care less really about the next thing they had to do. They were just like, I'm here right now with people that I love and I wanna soak up that time. So I try to like, embody that the best that I can. I find myself slipping out of that often, but it's a good reminder of like what's really important is just being with people I love and not so much like my agenda or my time or what I'm trying to to do or like get out of something, I guess, mm -hmm. if that makes sense. So, well, your present job is you teach four-year-olds. Yes, I do. And a lovely school in California. Yes, I love my job. Specifically, San Francisco. Yeah. Mm -hmm. What has that been like? Oh, my gosh. Um, it's been awesome. I love my job. It's my dream job. Um, I I thought that maybe I would, I would teach at this job like 10 years into my teaching career. Um, so to be teaching there my first year is like very humbling, but also very exciting. Uh, and I, 
I tell my coworkers and my principals often, like, it just feels like continued education because I work with teachers who are just the best in our field. And so I get to learn from them every single day and people who are much more experienced and wise than I am. Yeah, I get to watch them teach and, and learn. Um, but it's really interesting because deaf schools serve a larger uh, kind of spread of students. And so... Yeah, my school is in the San Francisco Bay Area, but we serve children all over Northern California. So some kids travel, you know, four or six hours every week for um, school. And wait, I didn't even realize that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So our school, we have um, dorms on campus and 60 okay. percent of our students live on campus. None of mine do because they're four. Right. But um, but <laughs> all the four year olds live <laughs> by themselves. Yeah, they just have a, that would be wild. I could not imagine being a dorm parent oh my gosh. <laughs> in that dorm. It would be crazy. But no, starting in kindergarten, you can live on campus. So 60 percent of our students live in the dorms. Um, they just come in like Sunday night and then they'll leave Friday afternoon. But um, because of that, we, yes, we're in the Bay Area, but our student population doesn't necessarily reflect typical, like, Bay Area demographics. So, which is really cool because it makes our school very diverse and we have kids from all over and different backgrounds, socioeconomic status, culture, language. Teaching them um, is really sweet. It's really fun. I learn from them every day, too. And I don't know. I just they're all like so hungry for language and they're hungry for education and they're really curious which is so fun and it keeps me curious and it keeps me excited and every day is different and my job is really hard too they're really hard parts of my job um and my kids come from really different backgrounds and different um language levels some of them weren't exposed to sign language until they got to our school like even this year or last year so some of my kids like didn't have any language or like really means of communication until they were four or five years old which is like crazy to think about um but to see how quickly their brains develop and how quickly they um pick up language is is really really encouraging and um it's really cool because you see I mean I understand the importance of my job uh, it's really plain to see every day um which I know isn't the case for every job and I know that some of my friends sometimes have a hard time finding like maybe seeing the difference they're making or like feeling purpose in their work. Um, and that's one way that I feel very fortunate that I see that every day. I, I like that you said some of these kids, oops, my car is beeping. <laughs> I like that you said some of these kids haven't been able to communicate, you know, with mm. sign language. I can't imagine having lived up until that point and not, not know how to share my thoughts. It's pretty wild to think about, um, but a lot of our students have uh, language deprivation or a language delay when they when they aren't exposed to language until later in life um, due to whatever circumstance but when you do see those kids who come in they're just like it's immediately so evident that they're supposed to be at our school because they're trying to communicate they're desperate for language they're like pulling you and like bringing things and showing them to you and they're so excited uh, and they just need the language for it and it's so cool because they'll you know they'll pick up like a a red star and bring it to you and then you just get to show them like oh my gosh red star you have a red star like what else is red in the room let's find something else that's red and you just keep signing red and you fingerspell r-e-d and then you you try to help them create this concept of what red means um which is like complex and sometimes makes my brain hurt but it's so much fun and it just really is every every day is exciting to me granted it is year one i hope that doesn't wear off but 
um, yeah, I just, it's a lot of fun and, and it's important work. And so I feel, I feel really lucky to be a part of it and to be teaching at my school and the age that I teach. Um, yeah. Can we talk a little bit about your brain and do you find yourself getting tired after work because of the energy you've exerted in signing? I like often don't use my voice until like four o'clock in the afternoon. <laughs> so <laughs> my like vocal cords are definitely never tired. I never lose my voice. I never have to scream at my students, which is awesome. Um, they're too cute to scream at anyway. It's so funny because I think now I'm more used to it, but I remember being in grad school and taking these like grad school level courses that were about like neuroscience or linguistics or psychology, but they were all given in sign language. At the end of the day, like my eyes would hurt and I would have a headache and I was so confused because I was like, I don't understand like why why do my my eyes have never hurt before and one of my professors explained to me she was like well our ears like run on nerves so you never hear anyone being like oh my gosh my ears are tired or I'm so tired of listening but our eyes are muscles and so when you are especially when you're like it's called like receptive like when I'm watching someone sign and my brain is like like processing everything that they're signing and then I'm also processing the material so my brain's kind of on overdrive because I'm like okay what are they saying and then what does this mean if that makes sense so if we're in a psychology class then yeah I'm thinking about like what the signs mean and then and then I'm then thinking like oh my gosh okay so this is what my brain is doing or this is what that means like in in the context of psychology if that makes sense so I used to get like a lot of headaches and my eyes would hurt really bad I think I'm like pretty maybe used to it now or I've adapted or I just don't feel it anymore I don't know but sometimes if I I have to like be careful about the hobbies I do because um, I used to try to knit and then like when you are in like professions in deafness so if you're teaching deaf kids or you're an interpreter a lot of people say not to do hobbies that are strenuous on your wrist especially like small like fine motor um and so I started knitting <laughs> oh like a few years ago and my wrists would hurt so bad so I had to give up knitting which is a bummer but it's okay I've found other hobbies let's talk about your newest hobby oh my gosh I love rock climbing I just got into rock climbing and I'm like such a noob and um very inexperienced like I went for my first like class, like an intro class where they just literally teach you how to belay and like tie knots and things like that. And I was like, heads up, have not rock climbed since like at least I was eight years old. But I love it. It's so much fun. There's a the police, so I was calming down for oh, a second. Yeah, we're just going to put the mics down for a sec. <laughs> okay, thank you, Georgia State Patrol. Excuse me, officer. Uh, <laughs> ma'am, uh, <laughs> what are you doing? Uh, you know, just recording a podcast recording episode. A podcast, yeah. I'm glad that your open ear was facing him. Me too. I, oh, one ear open one in ear the state open. of Georgia. That's right. It's, we, we are legal girls. We are legal. I love rock climbing. One of the things I really like about it is it is very mindful and it gets your brain engaged. Not that there's anything wrong with like a good spin class, but when I would go to a spin class, or like a cardio class, I would just be thinking about my life the whole time. Um, and so there is no like turning off my brain and especially now that I work in a job that is like really strenuous on my brain all day and I, I am tired like I'm really tired after work when, when I'm on the wall like I can't just be thinking about like my day and my life and my and my students and stuff like I'm like okay how am I gonna stay on this wall like where am I gonna <laughs> put my hand where am I gonna put my foot you know is my belayer doing what they should be doing am I belaying someone like that kind of thing it's your full body and your mind engaged 
which I really, really, really like. It's like therapy to me. It's neat because in a school situation, your kids are relying on you, but in rock climbing, you're reliant on others as well. Yeah, typically a stranger because yeah. I'm new and I don't know anyone. So <laughs> it's also a great way to meet uh, new friends, which is fun. I love making friends. So, uh, and that's another thing. Maybe I like gravitate towards really like collectivist kind of culture and community but the rock climbing community is very much that way too it's like everybody helps each other and um even when I'm like sorry I'm new and I don't know what I'm doing they're like it's cool and because people will try to like throw out all this like jargon like they're like match your hands or like they tell me about all these knots and I'm like you're gonna have to tell me what that means because I don't, I don't no know idea. yeah um and so they'll they're but they're super patient and explain things to me and kind of like coach me through it which is cool <laughs> Another state patrol. They're out today. They're out today. <laughs> They're like, why are you guys driving <laughs> with microphones? <laughs> it, it's neat to see how kind of like your personal desires for community come out in teaching as well as in your hobbies. I really prioritize in my classroom is this feeling of community. And um, I always say that I just want to make sure that every student leaves my classroom feeling loved welcome and important and so we focus a lot on social emotional learning uh, which is like how do I feel what do I do with my feelings how do I identify my feelings how do I respond to my feelings how is what I am doing affecting the people around me and their feelings and how can I value other people's feelings I have learned that you can teach empathy and I would say that my four-year-old students are more empathetic than a lot of adults I know, um, which is encouraging to see how quickly children can learn empathy. Uh, but also I'm like, how do we have so many adults that haven't figured this out yet? I'm probably one of those adults. <laughs> no, I don't think so. <laughs> I think you're empathetic. Learned. There are always levels in which you can grow. <laughs> sure, absolutely. If there is a 16-year-old out there, or maybe just a high school student that is interested in developing ASL. This person may not know what he or she wants to do with it. For a high schooler or for an adult or for anyone, um, if you're curious about sign language uh, and the deaf community, I would say like absolutely take a class. A lot of people ask me, like a lot of people on Facebook message me and they're like, hey, where can I learn sign language? Um, and there are a lot of online resources that are great supplemental tools, but I think like, I mean, Again, I'm a teacher and I enjoy education, but I think the classroom is absolutely the best place to like get your foundation and then also get in the deaf community. Like even if you can't take a class, then get in the deaf community. Um, it's, it's just like if you're trying to learn French, like if you can spend a summer in France and just immerse yourself in the culture, then that's ideal. And so, um, yeah, just get around deaf people. You can find literally like you can go on Facebook or Google and be like, you know, San Francisco Bay Area deaf events or Atlanta deaf events. Um, and you'll find stuff and you'll meet people. And, um, yeah, it's the deaf community is very, um, like, for the most part, pretty warm and open. And they want to communicate with you as much as you want to communicate with them. So they're going to be really patient with you, or at least that was my experience. What I hear a lot that is, like, sad to me is people try to, like, learn sign language 
without understanding the cultural aspect and the community aspect. So they're like, I want to learn sign language to use for my job or something like that. And I don't think that's like inherently bad, but there is like a whole community and culture there that you're really doing a disservice because first of all, it's their language. And second of all, there's a lot of richness there. And, you know, like I've learned, there's so much that we can learn from people who have different experiences than us and different cultures and uh, a different kind of community. Take a class at a college if you have the means and the time. Um, and even if you're not in college, like if you're out of college, a lot of professors will let you audit their classes. Just uh, contact them. If you're in Atlanta, I know Georgia State has a, um, a really good deaf education program. Um, so I'm assuming they also have great sign language classes to start out with. Think of it holistically. Um, consider the culture in the community as well not just like learning sign language for your own sake uh, kind of thing but and, and that is like that's beneficial to you as well to like learn about the culture and to get involved in the community I just think that makes us better like surrounding ourselves with people who have had really different experiences than we have how would you say the deaf culture is different in San Francisco from Atlanta hmm that's a good question it's hard to pinpoint because I just feel like it's this Venn diagram of all these like overlapping circles and Bay Area or San Francisco um, culture is very different than South Eastern culture in general I think there's a lot of overlap uh, with I mean obviously like California and even specifically the Bay Area is very liberal in the deaf community it's definitely that way as well I think that people in the Bay Area and, and maybe specifically the deaf community but I I see it in a lot of aspects are very action-oriented and hungry for justice so if they see oppression or injustice, which like we all see it often, you know, people are really, really apt to like act on that really quickly, uh, which is a cool thing to see. They don't, not that necessarily in the South, we just like accept the way that things have been for a long time. But I think I see a lot more people just like challenging the status quo um, in the deaf community and in general. But yeah, that's like a really encouraging thing to see. and. Even at my school, like, I think it'll, in an educational setting, a lot of times we get into, like, oh, this has been taught this way for 20 years, and it's been fine, so let's keep doing it that way. Whereas, like, at my school, I feel like we're just constantly cranking out resources, and we're constantly, like, it's very innovative, it's very new, and so people are always looking for, like, okay, well, our community is changing, our population of students is changing, we have to keep up with that. In, in education so that's cool I don't know if that answers your question but it's very it, it, it feels more like innovative and more like yeah okay if I think that there's a better way to do it then I'm gonna try it and people seem to be very like kind of on that wavelength rather than being like oh it'd be cool if this could be different but I don't have the power or the means to do it um yeah, I guess like <laughs> in the Bay Area, if you live there, you have to be like, okay, and ready to roll up your sleeves and do something. Um, because it, it's like, it's hard to be successful there. Um, and it's a really expensive cost of living and, and things like that. So if you live there, you have to be like willing and ready to like stand up for what you think is right or what you think needs to be changed. And so I, I see that a lot. Do you see that affecting you now? personally I mean before I took this job before I moved to California um, I had a lot of like ideas and dreams and I, I still do but now I think of them I think a lot more practically of oh I can do this or this would be the first like step towards that whereas before it was like that would be cool if that could ever happen but it probably couldn't because 
yada yada and I could give you a thousand reasons why something wouldn't work or or couldn't actually come to fruition um and now I'm like no I mean it will be hard but I, I know I can or I know this is possible I just have to like get in contact with the right people or put myself in the right position or use my position of power that I already have or use my contacts that I already have um, or use my experience or do my own research or something like that or ask people I trust like it's just there's an abundance of resources and opportunity in in the Bay Area specifically um, and so I just have to know how to like position that and kind of like utilize that if that makes sense I'm more like ready to be like yeah okay let's do it like if there's something that I believe will be good for me or that I want to try or that would even be challenging I'm like let's do it instead of like just talking about it for months and months and months do you think you realized that before this conversation <laughs> no I don't think so people ask me often how I think that California has influenced me or even changed me in ways um and I think that's the first time I've given that answer. Beautiful. Well, we're rolling up to the airport. Yeah, time to go back to California. Time to get out and <laughs> go to the terminal. Legitimately, we have passed the terminal parking. We have. Uh, we're we're almost at our departures. <laughs> Zero um, interactions with uh, state patrolmen. Kate, thank you so much for letting me have a creativity chat with you. Oh my gosh, thank you so much for chatting. I had a blast. Thank you for listening, friend. I hope you have <laughs> a lovely rest of the day. <laughs> Bye! Ya.